Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 83, My Cousin Vinny from 1992. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by Buick. What makes an SUV captivating, a car refined? It's more than just a list of features. It's an essence, a feeling, an emotion that endures even after you've arrived, inviting you in and leaving you wanting more. Buick. Are those SUVs available in metallic mint green? Um, I, d- I don't actually don't know if that's still an option today. GM made it in the 60s. You, you never know if it's still... Could have brought it back. Retro. Well, we are continuing to kick it old school this lap. This is a nothing but time episode, a Friday bonus episode. We are talking about My Cousin Vinny, the Oscar winning My Cousin Vinny. Oh. From Marissa Tomei as Mona Lisa Vito. She won an Oscar for that? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Good for her. Best supporting actress. Damn. We will talk about that after the break. But before we get there, Joe, extracurricular activity. Activities. What have you been up to since we recorded our three-hour-plus Fast Five? I haven't been up to much, but I did try something last night that was fun. I tried the app House Party. Have you used it yet? I've heard of it. I have not tried it yet. A couple of my friends that I met through work that we usually talk about Trash TV, they had um, an online phone app, House Party, drinking party last night. And so Rachel and I participated in that. And it's like, it's pretty much just like video chat. But then they have some games like kind of like a Cards Against Humanities, Apples to Apples, cool drawing game that's kind of like Pictionary. And then they have like trivia games. So it's like Jackbox times Zoom. Exactly. It's just both of those things. Yeah. And you could just like, you know, like if you see your friends are in like a thing, you can like join it. Like it's not like the greatest best app, but it's fun. That's what we did last night. What else? Oh, and the other important thing that's very cool is that I recorded a high school slumber party, which I don't know when it's coming out. I'm unsure. Yeah, I have no idea either. I know he's recording a ton. He's releasing two a week. I did one with him since he started. Like, I've done two with him. He put one out, and there's another one that he's sitting on. But, like, yeah, I don't know. It feels like he's got a whole bunch. That's what he seems to be doing. Yeah, Yeah, because I talked to him today. If you guys don't know, I usually go over there, hang out with Brian, do high school slumber party, um, and we usually talk about Lifetime movies that are set in high school, right? I had an idea. I can probably say it, right? I can say what movie we did. Yeah, so we did Identity Theft of a Cheerleader which was great, and because I messaged you telling you that we were doing this, and you were like, well, great, now I don't ever have to watch that movie. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because in true Lifetime fashion, the title tells you the entire film. Yeah, we did that, and I have some plans to do more Lifetime high school movies with Brian, too. It was actually a blast. It was a fun episode. You know, all of these wacky Lifetime movies, they're all kind of the same goofiness, right? So. And I saw rumblings on Twitter that if he does the Twilight movies every year, it seems like next year you're going to join him and Kate to do a run-through Ooh. next year for hashtag Twilight Forever. Yes, so yesterday I was watching all the Twilight movies. You've extended beyond just Breaking Dawn? Yeah, so I, I, I think we've mentioned it here before briefly but like i love twilight breaking dawn part two i think it's an excellent shit film it's like it just has everything i want in it it makes me really happy but i had never seen any of the other ones so i had like no character passions right like i'm not sided with anyone right i knew about the rumblings of like team jacob team edward and stuff like this but like i didn't care uh, the only one I saw was Breaking Dawn Part 2, didn't read the books. So, like, I just think that that's a perfect movie inside the bubble that it's in. Um, yesterday they were all on, I forget what network, maybe USA. Par- no, Paramount. It was Paramount had them all. Oh, okay. They started playing them, like, and it began, like, right around the time that I woke up. 
So I like put the first one on, and when Rachel came down, she was like, "Oh shit, they're playing all of them. This is cool. We can watch these." You know, and we were just like, you know, bumbling around yesterday in the house. I was like, you know what? These are actually all very good movies. But it was the first time <laughs> I watched them. They're all terrible and like each in their own beautiful way. I was learning some more of the backstory because like I just knew like they, they kind of have their own language, right? You know, because it's like like fantastical, right? Mm-hmm. So they have like mm-hmm. all of these words that they use that I had no idea what any of them meant in Breaking Dawn Part 2. Like, they're talking about, like, doing these specific things that, like, I don't know what the words mean. So I was, like, learning those yesterday. I was expressing this to, like, I was tweeting about it. Brian and Kate saw it. Did you ever watch them? I've seen the two Breaking Dawns as well, because How This Can Made covered those. But I haven't seen the early ones, I don't think. Okay, so in the first one, there's, like, a very, like, a way too long scene of them playing vampire baseball. and they're. I've seen that. My dad loves that scene. He likes those movies a lot. I don't know why. Really? He called me and he just like, hey, watch the scene. I was like, okay, like, why are they doing this? She's like, I don't know, but isn't it cool? And I was like, no, I mean, not really. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's the part that I was watching yesterday. And I was just like, why is there a vampire baseball scene? Like, it's not like, it's not essential to the story. I think it's just to show that they're strong, right? And fast. I guess. But you could just show that with other right. things besides, like, you don't need to get together and they're like, oh, we have to wait for it to storm because we can only play baseball in the storms because we hit the ball so loud. It's so loud that, yeah, they need to mask that thunder or whatever, right? This is just really dumb. So, like, I was tweeting about that. Kate and Brian saw it. Yesterday they invited me when they do their next lap. I don't know if, they, I don't think they're calling it laps. We call them laps. No, I think they are. Like, they basically, okay, cool. were, they, they referenced this show and they were talking about basically stealing this format and doing either I think they joked about doing a separate podcast but I think it just might just be on High School Summer Party yes it's gonna be that this year they're doing all five him and Kate and then I guess next year if they do it again they're gonna just add you in for lap two I guess yes so that's what we talked about yesterday Brian invited me Kate agreed so um, next year when they do their five Twilights I will be the ride-along guest. To be fair, the invite was there since they did the first one, but you were refusing for a while because you're like, I only want to stay in my bubble. I don't want to go outside my bubble. But now, yeah. you know, it's a whole new world. It's a, a whole new world. Jasmine and Aladdin for me, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. I finally watched Twilight movies. I think that they're all like trash pocket. You know what I mean? That's a good sure. description of them. I would watch them again. They're hilarious. So... Yeah, I'm about it. I can't wait to join them next year. It'll be a while, right? Because we have to wait for a while, but I'm excited to talk about the them with them. Anything else that you've been up to? No, what have you been up to? We did not play Risk on Thursday night. We were going to start a new game of Risk. We did not. Instead, we created ourselves. Okay, so I was telling you this. Yeah. I felt like I was trapped in Groundhog Day because <laughs> as I've been giving updates on my fantasy baseball in MLB Streaming. show update, yeah. we got to the final game because there's like 11, there's 12 teams, but two teams are playing each other. So there were like 11 games. I was streaming all the opening day games. Yeah. And literally as I start the final one, somebody was like, hey, it would be really cool if we created ourselves and put ourselves on our teams. And I was like, yeah. yes, I agree, but that's a lot of work. And then like all the stuff that I did in the last couple of days doesn't matter. I have to redo it all. Yes. And so we quickly, like, because there was like a back and forth and like everybody was like, yeah, that would be super cool. But like, I don't want these things to not count and this and that and whatever. Yeah. And we kind of quickly, surprisingly for us, because we never come to things quickly, but we quickly realized, let's make a new franchise, a separate franchise, all 12 of us, plus... So the game only lets you make 18 people. I don't know why it doesn't let you make a whole team, but it can make up to 18. So it's a 12 of us plus a handful of other people, and we're going to basically take over another franchise, like another team in another franchise, save completely, and just take on the MLB. So we're still working on creating players. Okay. So instead of playing Risk on Thursday night, we just created like eight of the players. I created another handful the other day. We've still got, I think, another five or seven to go. 
but it was a nice compromise that like it's more fun like it's just a team like there's going to be eight of us batting one through eight in an NL yeah. team and then we've got I think three starting pitchers and a closer and then we've got some other people but like it's going to be a lot of fun once that gets going we've been I've been watching a lot of watching a lot of quote-unquote baseball as I've been streaming our yeah. games a lot which is cool I was saying that this is fun and my idea when you pitched this was that I think that you guys should add yourselves to the teams, but it should be realistic stats, a la Walt Hickey when he went and like tried yes. out for Madden. Yeah, and that you should all be like thirty overall. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like... what? We, so we were like, they were also saying, my friends were saying like we should be realistic. I was like, oh, so we should be like forties overall. They're like, no, like I, like we want to actually be. Like, they're like, how about we be like Nick Markakis, who's like a 35, 36 year old. Like he's still a good player, but he's just like all he can do is kind of hit singles. Like he's hit like three twenty, three thirty, but he's not like a great all around contributor. Yeah. He's He's just a guy who's like good, but he's not great. I was like, okay, let me look him up, and he was a seventy-three. They're like, that's perfect. Seventy-three sounds about right. That's like enough that you could that the games aren't going to be like lopsided, but at the same time, like you're not blowing anybody out, and like you still kind of need to get lucky, right? And so what we're doing is we're going to be all. I think like we made like the how many people have we made ten or eleven. I think that we've made. We're all in like the seventy-three to seventy-seven range. I think. And then there's one guy in our league who is a lawyer who we always joke about, like, I don't understand why you debase yourself by, like, hanging out with us. Because, like, you know, he's just as much of a nonsense idiot like we are, yeah. but he's, like, a better person. So we're going to make him, like, an 80, I think. We're, like, we're, we're, you're objectively better. Like, he's going to be our star. He's going to be our three-hitter or whatever. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a team full of, like, average guys. But yeah. what's interesting is that, like, even as we do this, even as we, like, make ourselves, I feel like... I'm able to kind of game it where things that don't matter, like there's like bunting traits. And there's like, I don't give a shit. Like we're not going to bunt, whatever. Like, I mean, the computer's going to do what the computer wants to do, but like there's things you can sort of turn down to turn other things up. And so it's like a fun sort of give and take for like, we're like, okay, this feels about right. And then we go back to the screen. We're like, oh, we're a 78 or whatever. We got to lower ourselves a little bit or like, oh, we're only like a 68. Like we have like more room to play. Okay. And so there's some fun balancing there. We've not started that yet, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There are going to be sort of two things going simultaneously. That's cool. My current goal in the one that I've been having going, you know, our fantasy baseball, basically the fantasy baseball league, is I want to catch up. We're like about, we're a little under two weeks behind. So I want to catch up to like current day. Okay. And then just, you know, not Play advance the current beyond day that. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a whole, I don't remember if it was since we recorded the last one or we just didn't talk about it or whatever, but there was this rumor going around that like Major League Baseball had this idea of how they could play like basically spring training leagues, like this whole thing. And it just seems like a bad idea for a whole bunch of different reasons. I just, I I don't think we're going to get baseball this year, but I mean, if we do, we can just, you know, fast, like we can quick sim to the end and just see what happens. But yeah, you know, it's, it's just a fun thing to do to pass the time. And you know, people it's, it's hit or miss in our league. Who cares? I think most games I I stream one or two people are watching in addition to me. So like, it's it's just a cool thing to have on in the background, just sort of some, uh, some fun noise. Exactly, yeah. I get it. Today, I had a, uh, you know, we're recording on Easter, so... Happy Easter. Happy Easter, me familia. Uh, I had a Skype with my parents and my sister, and then my friends who were just nearby visiting one of the, like, my friend and his girlfriend were visiting my friend's parents, who were like 20 minutes away. They stopped by, and they just sort of sat on chairs outside on the, my little walkway up, and I sat on my porch, and we just hung out for like an hour or whatever, so, That's you know, cool. proper social distancing hangout. Yeah, but you got to see a person, say hi. Yeah, the topic of was just like, you know... Isn't life weird now? And so, yeah, it's it's weird right now. Makes sense. That's cool, but that's though. about it. Yeah, that's all we did. Nice. Yeah, so not too bad. We have a Patreon page here on the show, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to 
Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman. Thank you, For supporting us over there. Thank you so very much. We also have an email address here on the show, family at cageclub.me. And Joe, we've got three emails today. Okay. One from three different people. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. First up is from Nick Burris, Nick Barris, talking about the Hollywood Knights, which was his pick. Yes. What's up? Uh, his man? subject line Thank is, what do you pick. get when you cross a donkey with a Bermuda onion? Do you remember the punchline? This is from that movie. Do you remember the punchline? Yeah, it's... Something about an ass. A piece of ass. A piece of ass that'll make you cry like... That brings a tear to your eye. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is it. Yes, yes, yes. Nick says, love this movie. Think we actually watched it as a family when I was a teen. It's so fun, and I'm glad you both enjoyed it. We loved it. I really loved it. Yeah. A lot of fun. You were talking about how this is a great movie, like a father-son bonding experience. I feel like watching with my whole family would have been strange but i mean hey it depends if on your if you family kind of, it depends yeah. on your it depends on your family and like what Absolutely. the dynamic is and your ages right like all this kind of things he says also me and my slow emails mentioned like two things that were already mentioned i missed the deadline anyway it's just a quickie today catch you on the other side nick yeah thanks for the picnic that was awesome picnic picnic ha ha next email from wes hampton subject line you got me what up wes fine he says okay i still say brian has good instincts and does some solid detective work throughout the series dot, 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 but he does make some bad judgment calls. Overall, <laughs> he's kind of an idiot. Yes. I think his ability to be an effective cop is seriously or severely hindered by his enthusiasm for the undercover stuff and his love of Dom. He says, Brian's sort of like the main FBI guy from McMillions if the FBI guy had oh. quit the bureau to be a part of the scam ring. He had great instincts, <laughs> but was not about the paperwork and boring FBI stuff, plus... He took some questionable risks. That's a very good comparison. You know, we were talking about McMillions. I just watched it at the beginning of quarantine. I really enjoyed it. And he's talking about there's an an FBI agent that's like the main guy in McMillions that like he doesn't want to do any paperwork. Right. Like the only thing that this guy wants to do the whole time is like go undercover and like bust the, the fraud. He's good at that and he's successful, but also he's just like kind of overly ambitious, like anxious like, he's, like, his puppy energy, right? Like, he's just, like, very hyper to, like, do the things and not, like, the actual work that needs to be done. Like, I think he's the reason why the early episodes of McMillions are so much fun, because you're, like, how is, like, they basically, without casting, because it's not casting, but they basically cast the perfect guy in the lead of this series. Like, he's just yeah. such an excitable, like, the puppy energy is exactly right. Like, he's just, he's just so happy, because he's talking about how, like, how boring most of the time being an FBI agent is, and mm-hmm. how he, like, thought he was joining for a lot different, like... And he was know. really young, so he had the, like... Yeah. He didn't have a fear of uh, failure yet, you know what I mean? Like, that you get as you get older, and, you know, you're working at one thing. So he was just like, yeah, we can do this. We can take on the world. And he has that energy in the series. And then Wes says... Also, El Gato Negro never really existed. He said it was just a warehouse that they put a sign on. He says they think that they talk about it in one of the commentaries. And he says, stay furious, Wes. Well, thank you for the tidbit, Wes. That's awesome. And the email, I mean, we, we did know that. I mean, we Googled and there, there was some version of something in El Gato Negro and El Segundo. It might yeah. not have been that one. It might have been, maybe they got the sign from there. I don't know. But like, That sign seems like it's way too big. Like, neon signs are expensive. Have you ever priced yeah, I don't, out yeah, a neon they, sign? They must have gotten it from somewhere. Exactly. Because I don't think that you would spend that much much money that was probably like a 10 grand neon sign for like just like an establishing shot like they don't need yeah. that there you know what no. i mean they would have done something else like it had to have existed somewhere that they moved that there like they didn't yeah from the budget we see in the film they weren't spending that much money to make a, a sign just for like a 
a one second clip, right? Right. This isn't because yep. it never comes back. It's not like no. you know. It's not like race wars. Not that there's a sign for race wars, but I can see them being like, okay, we want this to seem cool. It's not like DT Precision Auto or Hector's Auto Body or whatever. This is just a bar that they're drinking at. Let's spend twenty five grand on a sign. Like no. And in that sense. Don't you think that, like, the sign for DT Precision Auto Body would have been, like, this really, really dope sign? Right. And, like... Instead of just, like, a, a piece of sheet metal or whatever that they spray-painted yes. or something. Yeah. yeah. I guess, like, the racer's edge is, like, pretty detailed. So maybe... But that's also... Like, that's a, that's an important part of the, the movie, you know? Like, yeah, that's and they Brian go back works. there. Like, you see going back there. Times. Yeah, this is just, like, a literal one-off that, like, it only exists to show across the street is Hector's, which is... And you also don't even need that, right? Like, that only sets... No the tension up that like oh Hector might catch him but then like we talked about a couple minutes ago it's actually you know it's it's Vince and Dom that catch him so like who cares yeah exactly and then the final email to family at cageclub.me is from our friend Wells Lamont subject line Quentin Quarantino (laughs) what's up Wells we haven't heard from him a little bit I saw his tweets I always follow Wells he always cracks me up on Twitter so yeah he says, WTF is wrong with Rome? Hey, baby girl, nice legs. What time do they open? Aggressive AF and rapey vibes. The what time do they open part seemed like he was insinuating that A, they better damn well open, and B, they better open on my schedule. Chill, Romy Rome, that's Hans Lady. For as much as like these films don't always shine women in the best light, right? They don't give them like the, the yep. most things. We also don't get like super overtly creepy lines until this film right this is like the like didn't you pull out when brian announced you smack that ass as you grab it yeah (laughs) yeah like all like this is the one that they took like a lot of risks misogynistically like in this particular case not that this is defensible but i think that it's kind of him showing off in front of tej and like him being trying to be that alpha and being like bro yo look at this girl she's so hot let me hit on her in an ideal world this works and then you know they go have sex like it's a win for him but i feel like he's not doing it to hit on her ever as much as to show off in front of his friends you know what i mean but has that ever worked this is like the thing that like no i don't mean i mean it maybe I, like, not in for real me, life, like, but I've also never said ever, it. Any woman that I've ever talked to, they're like, they're like, oh man, like we get cat called, and you're like, yeah, but like, have you ever stopped and like been like, oh yeah, that construction worker that's like calling me vulgar names across the thing, like I'm gonna go talk to him. I think it works on Kimmy Schmidt, but like that's intentionally so. Like Jane Krakowski's character likes yeah. being cat called, and like Titus likes being cat called by the in guys. In real life, though, has a no, guy ever not, successfully like, cat called a woman? Right, and I think it works in that show because they're making fun of the fact that like it never works. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think you're just yeah, it's just playing to a stereotype and trying to show off for your friends on the off chance like there, there's an episode of Always Sunny where like. Max talking to Dennis about, you know, like, just ask the girl if she'll have sex with you. It's like, it's a 50-50, either yes or no. It's like, well, it's not, it's not I mean, yeah, like, the like the options are 50-50, but, like, the odds are not 50-50. <laughs> no, they're not 50-50. could say, like, either it's going to work or it's not, but it's going to work one in a million chances, and, like, every other time you're going to come off creepy and rapey and whatever, so. Yeah. I, I don't think he's doing it to hit on her. I think it's just an unfortunate side effect. I think he's just trying to show off, but... Yeah, not great, Rome. Not great, Rome. Wells says, Hobbs and Shaw is so good. I love how they brought the funk to Samoa, and The Rock and Jay Statham, who he calls Jay Stath, are great <laughs> together, and I'm not really a Jay Stath fan. I know people think it's an odd couple, but I highly enjoy it, and it's a fantastic movie. I've watched it six times since it hit HBO. Damn. I think it's fun, and I told you this. When we ranked them, I, I, on the fun scale, it's really high up there. Yep. Wells makes a great point. I think that Statham and The Rock are a good duo. 
They're like nice opposites, right? But also in the same goals. So yeah, I'm a big fan of it. And I think on our last episode where we were talking with Roxana, I think her yes. points about it being like, it's a weird movie in that it's a Fast and Furious movie that basically pretends that it doesn't exist in the Fastiverse. Yes. It's like, hey, these are characters in the Fastiverse, but we're not going to reference anything else. Nope. We're not even going to talk about Decker, or we're not going to talk about Owen, really. It's nope. like, I don't, it's it's a very strange middle ground. I guess that's why this Fast and Furious presents as opposed to like... Yeah, we talked a lot about that, that like... The, the, the presents is the operating word in that. Wells says, remember when I said I only listen to this podcast in the car so I'm able to give it the full attention it deserves? Well, I haven't gone anywhere in a while to do quarantine, so Thank I had you. to catch up on three and a half episodes, and there was too much stuff I wanted to talk about, so I'm not going to talk about any of it because it's too overwhelming. Instead, <laughs> I'm just going to ramble on about random stuff. Okay, that's totally fair, and we love it. Thank you. He says, random stuff number one. Okay. I drove my pregnant neighbor, whose cats I take care of when they're on vacation, to the hospital to give birth. Oh, look at you. Damn. Essential worker, in a sense. Yeah, did, did you, like, full shut down the road? Did you have a police escort? Did you, I mean, were they corrupt cops? Or they That's what I'm saying. Cops? Was there, ta- was there a, a, a safe involved? Like, how did this work? Did you turn all the lights to one direction? Like, <laughs> he says, I was speeding, and it was thrilling. Ooh. She's my neighbor, and her husband's always out of town, and the baby was two weeks early. I got to the hospital, sprinted inside, and told the doctor the deal, and we rushed her in on a stretcher bed. I answered a few quick doctor questions, and I left because I wasn't family. Hashtag, yeah. You're family to us. And was not allowed to be in there, nor did I want to be. Husband rushed home from out of state the next day, and they had a baby girl. The hospital is only a six-minute drive from my house. I got there in four. Oh. That's some Winston Wolf shit. He must have had a spoon engine. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. Yeah. <laughs> Random thing number two. I ate escargot for the first time. I didn't Ooh. like it, but didn't hate it. If I have to eat it, I can to not be rude. Have you ever eaten it? No. I never have either. I've heard it just be described as, like, salty snot. That's what I've heard, too. I've, I don't really? know if I've heard salty snot, but I've heard snot for sure. Yeah, so I, I've never tried it. I remember that, like, my parents had it when I was, like, a very young kid, and then I haven't really been to a restaurant that I would get it at. Rachel and I talk about this, right? There's restaurants that you go to, and people are like, man, I went to this Italian restaurant, and, like, the salmon there was garbage. And you're like, well, why did you get the salmon? I usually pick the food that I want, and then pick a restaurant, a restaurant based that on that food, that. right? Like, so, like, if I want dumplings here, I'm gonna go to, like, a dumpling place, not, like, I'm gonna go to a Chinese place and just get dumplings. Right. It's the kind of thing that, like, not that it would ever be at this kind of restaurant, but, like, when we went to the Korean barbecue place, if yes. they had to be like, oh, yeah, we'll get an order, and we'll just try it, because, like, it's already factored in it's already included in whatever you know what yes. I mean so I would have tried it at like a buffet place yes. but I also wouldn't have given that been like that's my try of it right. you know what I mean like I would have went to a place that's like a nice French restaurant that they're like <laughs> oh the special today is escargot we got them specially. we flew them in from the south of France exactly in that case I'd be like oh shit I'll try these this is probably the best expression of this that I can get Right. Random thing number three. I started smoking only after midnight since quarantine started, and I got at least three times higher than usual. Weed, not meth or crack for the record. I only smoke <laughs> crack in daylight. You know, it's important to have crack during the day and weed at night. Separation of church and state. Yeah, it, uppers and downers, man. You gotta, you gotta ride the wave, right? That's awesome. All my friends have, actually, they were talking to me today. They're all just, like, getting stoned all the time now that it's quarantine. Um, a nice tolerance break. That works. I like the diet weed. I like the only CBD weed, so I've been huh? using that. Do you know about this? Diet CBD? No, you can you can buy like 
hemp that's like all CBD and no THC. Well, yeah. I like the the diet weed. It'll it makes you sleepy but like not stoned. So all right, that's for me at least. Yeah. Random thing number four. I can now play three full Mariah Carey songs on the piano and two <laughs> Spice Girls songs. <laughs> He says, fantasy remix, always okay. be my baby, and we belong together. Wanna be and stop for Spice Girls. Oh. I don't know how to play piano, so I can only teach myself songs to, I know to get the melody. It's remedial as it could be, but it's fun. That is, sounds awesome. And that reminded me that when we were um, having the, the house party group chat last night, there's this uh, app called Song Quiz. You can imagine what it is a la Lifetime Is it like movie. Beach Shazam? <laughs> exactly. That's precisely what it's like. But what we were doing is um, one of my friends that was on the call, was she was using her boyfriend's phone, and we were playing as a team against other people. We would hear like the song clip, and we would be like, oh, like I know exactly who this is, right? And like somebody would get the artist, somebody would get the song, and then we would like submit that, and they'd be like, yes. So we were like crushing you know, those <laughs> random people that were sure. playing, not knowing that they were playing, like, a team of, like, six, right? Right. Yeah. I just watched Takers, and it's funny how there's Paul Walker and Paul Walker Jr. in the movie. It's just a younger P-Walks, but with a P-Walks from 2F2F, who, deli- who delivers lines in unconventional ways. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I know Takers. Do you know Takers? I've never seen it. I think um, um, listener Jason recommended it to us before. So Takers 2010... Oh, Idris is in it, too. Idris and Paul Walker and Hayden Christensen and Chris Brown and T.I. and Matt Dillon and Zoe Saldana. Yeah, I've never seen it, though. A seasoned team of bank robbers, including Gordon Jennings, Idris Elba, John Rahway, Paul Walker, blah, 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 successfully complete their latest heist and lead a life of luxury while planning their next job. When Ghost, T.I., a former member of their team, is released from prison... He convinces the group to strike an armored car carrying $20 million. As the takers carefully plot out their strategy and draw nearer to executing the grand heist, a reckless police officer inches closer to apprehending the criminals. Nice. I feel Sounds like I vaguely remember this movie coming out, but I, I haven't seen it. I remember T.I., and I remember the name Ghost, but I don't remember... Like, I never saw this movie. Well, did you like it? You didn't say if you liked it or not. Yeah. It looks like it has, like, a, an average to, like... It's just like an, it's one of those okay ratings on Letterboxd where it feels like in the right mood it could be really good or otherwise you'd be like, yeah, it's fine. That's a movie. That's that, that takes up time. Yeah, exactly. He says, I'm not actually caught up fully. There's now three episodes I haven't listened to. I've tried listening in my house, but I was playing games and I wasn't absorbing your words, so I put it on hold. I can't wait to catch up. It'll take a few days tops once I start driving again. All right, broseps, y'all keep it real. I'm going to go finish these tacos I made and pass out. Awesome. Enjoy your tacos. Oh, wow. He sent this at 4 a.m. Pacific time. <laughs> okay. So he was just smoking from midnight to 4 and then eating I guess tacos. so. <laughs> That's wow. what I'm guessing is happening. Well, well stay safe. Keep smoking weed. And uh, thank you for writing in. We can't wait for you to catch up, too. The last episode we recorded, I knew it was wildly long while we recorded it. But also yes. in editing it, I'm just like, oh, this this is really, really long. And also what makes it even longer, and this is a good thing, is that Roxana is so well-spoken that she's not, like, stepping on her words, and so I'm not editing things out. It's not like I'm yeah. – it's not like there's really dead air or stuff. It's just like, you know, she's making coherent thought after coherent thought, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, I can't cut this out. Instead of editing me, who has no coherent thoughts and just all rambling. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, you basically fell asleep during that episode anyway, so there's not a lot of you to edit out. No, no, no. I was, like, just listening to you talk. Like, I was... There was a lot of good energy and talk going on, so yeah. I just, like, stepped back and was like, let it breathe, man. But that's all the emails from today. Thank you all who've written in. Family at cageclub.me if you want to write in. Just say hi. Send us your rankings. 
Let us know if this is too, if, if this is too many episodes. Let us know. Yeah, true. Family at cageclub.me. And then, Joe, I also checked on Apple Podcasts. No new reviews. If you don't want to write an email, if you don't want to support on Patreon, just please leave us a review. Five stars. Say something nice on Apple Podcasts, please, and thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yes. On the street. So I actually have one bit of news that I did not share because it's not the headline says one thing and then there's nothing really in the body that's about that okay. um, and then I also have something that I, I shared with you on Google I don't know if you we didn't talk about it yet because I don't like I didn't send you a link I just shared it with you on Google Docs but uh, yeah I remember I forget I'm sorry I'm getting so many emails from work right now I'm like doing oh no it's fine like I, I, I intentionally didn't bring it up because I wanted to bring it up here so the first thing I brought up a weird kind of crossover in what we're talking about on another podcast, but there's a thing on Slash Film from a couple days ago that says Dwayne Johnson reflects on being passed over for Jack Reacher, which let him make Fast Five. Dwayne Johnson got passed over for Jack Reacher? Yes. So I think it was it was relatively early-ish in his career. I mean, it's the fact, you know, we talked about with Nate when we talked about on the Rocky Maya Via Picture Show that this was kind of like Fast Five was in a way the movie that kind of made The Rock a movie star. Like, it was kind of his breakout role. He had done stuff before then. He had come and beefed up franchises, but this was the, sort of the the big one. But what we learned on Cruise Club, what Mike and I talked about, I don't know if he had read the books or just knew about the character or whatever, but The Rock was, like, a huge fan of Jack Reacher. Oh. And in the books, Jack Reacher's, like, 6'5 or something and, like, 250. Like, he's a big, big dude. Tom Cruise is, like, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, or something yeah, like that. Like, if tall. that, right? Dwayne Johnson, like, actively pursued Jack Reacher, but I guess they didn't want him. Maybe he wasn't a big enough star, whatever. And then Tom Cruise eventually got attached, and, you know, they just went forward with that, right? But there's another so thing that was, like... snubbed The Rock in this? I don't know. Like, there was another thing that, you know, like, on IMDb that we talk about sometimes with these, it's, like, all the other action stars that were considered. So, like, when we were doing Cruise Club, whenever Tom Cruise was acting in a movie in the 80s, it was, like, you know, these other actors were considered, and, like, almost on every list in the 80s, Nicolas Cage was considered, too. Because, like, there's certain contemporary actors that, like, when one guy is up for, like, when Tom Cruise in the 80s is up for something, it's also, like, Charlie Sheen's up for the same thing, mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage's up for the same thing, whatever. Makes sense. So there's, like, a really long list for Jack Reacher, and then I think Tom Cruise locked in because he's, like, the biggest movie star in the world, or whatever, they went with him, right? But recently, I think in the last year or so, they basically said that they're going to reboot or a TV series or something Jack Reacher and Tom Cruise is not involved. But mm, yeah, one of the big one of the big trivia things about the movie that this then backs up because it's on Slash Film, there's some good quotes in there from The Rock, but like, you know, he really wanted this. It just didn't really work out, but by, you know, the sliding doors kind of thing, by not doing that, He's able to do Fast Five, and now here he is, you know, five movies later, and he's a core part of the family. Even if he's in a sort of a separate family, uh, he's still part of the family. Yeah, that is really cool. The other thing that I share with you was I started writing down, because like we've talked about this, and this kind of came up again on our episode with Roxana. I started putting together the complete list of Too Fast, Too Forever burning questions. And oh, so I yes. want to keep a list that if we get to talk to, for instance... Jordana Brewster or Vin Diesel or Chris Morgan or whoever, right? Like, I want to have one place where all the questions that we haven't had answered can be. And so I sort of split into two right now. There's not a ton of questions on here, but I have questions that, like, ones we're probably never going to have answers to. And then ones that, like, we could have answers to in Fast 9, in Fast 10, whatever, right? So the three right now I have under the category unsolved, likely forever, is what's up with no knees, Denise? 
True. What does food all over the place mean? Yes. And then did Dom, Letty, Brian, and Mia all live at 1327 before it blew up? Those are the burning questions we have right now. Because I don't think any of those three are ever going to be addressed. I don't think so either. No. I mean, maybe no knees to knees, but probably not. If they do, like we said, we know that they're listening. I have here the could be solved. And this is stuff that like basically has come up recently. And a lot of stuff from Hobbs and Shaw, from Fate, whatever. But what's the deal with Mama Toretto? What's her name? Is she alive? Why is Owen only barely mentioned in Hobbs and Shaw? Who is the E.T. on voice? Is it Cypher or someone else? Is Cypher the highest ranking villain in her crew? That's what I have so far. Are there any other questions that we've had that like, or, you know, theories or whatever... Like, the Hector dilemma, we kind of solve. Like, that's not really we a burning question it. anymore. Yeah. But is there anything else that we've talked about a lot on the podcast that I should add to this list? No. I'm sure there is, but I can't think of it. You know Without what I mean? Without getting zany, then no. Like, what zany stuff do you have? Do you prefer Whataburger in and out Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. Without getting, like, there. Movie-wise, we'll, we'll add to it now, and that's good to have. And if we think of one, we can always put it on there. And if you're listening and there's a question that we've talked about or that you're curious about or whatever... Email family at cageclub.me. We'll add to the list. You know, figure out, like, on a long enough timeline, we'll talk to somebody of some kind of significance. Yeah. And I, I also so. do think that, you know, if, if they do grace us with their presence, we definitely do have to ask all the either-or questions, all the For lightning sure. round questions. We have to give them the character quiz. Like, can you imagine if we I give Vin Diesel the this. character quiz and he doesn't get Dom? I was going to say, can you imagine if you're like, are you more of a Dom or a Brian to, like, to Vin Diesel? And, and he's, he's like, like oh, I really am more of a Brian. I think, actually, <laughs> in real life, he probably is more of a Brian. <laughs> Which is, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, like, just even hearing it, it's like, do we have to ask that question, you know? I mean, we would definitely phrase it with, like, all of the qualifiers in the world. They're just like, well, you know, this yeah. is, this seems kind of obvious, but dot, dot, dot. And in real life and all these things. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. yeah. Yes. Is there any other news out there that you have seen since we last recorded? Any other Fastiverse news that we should talk about? No, not that I've seen. It's, again, you know, now that we're recording more often than ever, now that there's really literally nothing going on, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, maybe not surprised, but, like, all these movies that got delayed a year, I'm almost, I'm a little surprised that these studios, I mean, I know they're probably scrambling and they're, like, worried about losing money and everything, but I'm surprised that they haven't put out more marketing, like, hey, I know that you're bummed that you have to wait six months or four, four months or six months or a year or whatever, but, like, here's a new teaser, here's a new trailer, here's a new poster, here's a new something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. some kind of thing to keep excitement up. I know that, like, people are just scared and bored and whatever, but, like, I wouldn't be surprised if people are, like, you know, whenever... Fast was supposed, like, whenever it was supposed to come out, right, like, at the end of May, like, maybe they put out another trailer then, like, you know, there's no movie this weekend. I'm sure that we're going to get at least, like, what did we get for Hobbs and Shaw? Like, three trailers? It was, like, two, right? And then, like, the Super Bowl one? At least two. Like, generally, there's, like, two trailers, and there's, like, kind of, like, a teaser or something that, like, kind of combines the two in some way. I think that we're going to get at least a three solid trailer mark. They're going to have to keep the hype up, right? Like, they What kind of skews it is that the first one was so goddamn long. You know, like a three-minute, 50-second trailer is like, oh, I don't know where you go from here. I mean, there's going to be more. It's not just going to be one, but, like, do you make it longer? Do you, like, how much do you recycle? They added know. a little bit more in those, like, Super Bowl commercials. Like, I don't know where you go from here. Yeah, I'm confused. But we got nothing but time, and we'll be excited to see them. And if there's ever any fast news that you out there have heard that we haven't shared or whatever, you can email it to us. You can post it on our Facebook page. Like I know that, you know, Jason and Justin and everybody kind of shares stuff with us on Facebook, on Twitter. Yeah, Yeah. we try to give you, we give you all the credit we can when we do, so. Yeah. So you know how to get in touch with us. Family at Cageclub.me. Too Fast Too Forever on Facebook. At Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. We generally are told about stuff by 
you know, not by like studios or anything, but like by friends, or everything like we have Google alerts, like we know that stuff early, but like, you know, if you beat us something, let us, let us know. We're happy to, you know, we're always happy to learn more about whatever. Yep. Rock the vote. Let me see. Saved searches. I don't think, I have not heard, I don't know if you've heard, but I have not heard any, uh, News about The Rock president. No, I haven't. U.S.'s global reputation hits rock bottom over coronavirus wow. response. That's, you know, all right. That's I mean, news. rock bottom is, yeah, that's something. No news there. No, there's no news, unfortunately, on The Rock. It does not seem like he is running for president. Yeah. You know, maybe Wednesday, Joe. Maybe when we record Wednesday, maybe we'll record the next episode. But as of right now, still no word on The Rock for president. All right, the last thing we have to do before we take a break is the okay. Fast and Furious Minute. And here's... So here's the, the the curious thing. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of very important sort of groundbreaking lines. I wrote down one as the title for this minute, Are You a Cop? But, like, almost any like line that. said in here could be the name of the minute. Yeah, it could be. Do you like this as a title? I like that as a title, yeah. Cool. And Hector is going to be running three Honda Civics with spoon engines. And on top of that, he just came into Harry's and he ordered three T66 turbos with NOS in a Motec system exhaust. So what are you saying? You're gonna go around and check everybody's shit out? One garage after another? Yeah. Because, Dom, you know I can't lose again. He's a cop. He's a cop! You a cop? Let's go for a little ride. So, real simple plot summary, as you just heard, Brian continues to defend himself to Dom and Vince. Yes. And that's the minute. For what we do, this is a lot of face acting and just dialogue in this one. So there's not a ton in here, but we get the kind of meme, the Reddit meme, right? The spoon engines. Don't let, like, you know, don't let this distract you from the fact that Hector is going to be running three Honda Civics with spoon engines, T66 turbos, and Motec exhaust systems. Well, T66 turbos and NOS with Motec exhaust systems. Because there wasn't a lot in there, I wanted to dig into that a little bit. So I did a little research in there. I know that you and I both found one thing. You might have known about it before, what? but one thing that I found that you had made a note of too is I went to Google Motec just to make sure that I was capitalizing it correctly, and it turns out that Motec does not make exhausts. That was one of the funniest parts about this, right? That Motec is a real company, so yep. they, they're saying something real, but they make ECUs for cars. They're like modded ECUs. So this has What's an ECU? The brain of the car. The, okay. like, the computer that runs everything engine-wise. Gotcha. Electronic Is that control the unit. engine computer unit or something? Electronic control unit, maybe? Oh. Engine that's... control unit? Okay. I forget. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not sure. I got the U. You got the U. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- so this is, this is not exhaust pieces like we see everywhere. It doesn't really apply to exhaust minus that it, like, watches that part of the car. But that's not what this is. There's no Motec exhaust. It doesn't exist. There was one thing that I found seven-ish years ago, like early 2010s. Motec was hinting that it might make an exhaust. And it was finally like, oh, they might actually, like, make Make this thing that was, like, this, you know, iconic line or whatever. But I was, all I could think about in hearing that line is, like, Craig Lehmer had been, like, going crazy, just like, yes. what are you, like, that's not real, like, stop, like, what are you, like, you sound smart enough, but it's also, like, 
any real racer knows, that's insane. Yes, exactly. So it's like a fun little Easter egg in that line. I found the spoon engines that were reportedly in Hector's Honda. Okay. B16B was the was the model of spoon engine that, that is reportedly used in Hector's. What was on the screen that you and Rachel copied down? Were those just the NAS systems, or what was that? Remember that whole like screen that you copied down? Was that the engines, or was that something else? I think they were NAS systems. Let me go back. So separate from the actual spoon engine. Yeah, he wouldn't have gotten the spoon engine from Harry's. I think he'd have had to order it from somewhere else. It's like a whole engine, right? Like It's like a rebuilt engine by the company spoon yeah these are all nos everything that brian's looking at at the time is is nos nos injection the t66 turbos i found which ones he would have been using and do you know what t66 delineates which is actually kind of cool no it's the size of the flywheel inside the turbo like the size of the fan inside the turbo well okay the, the, the wheel so like t66 is like 66 millimeters, millimeters probably millimeters yeah yeah, yeah. it's like six centimeters, centimeters. Huge. yeah yeah that's what it was that's what i looked up this time i got some links in there to cool stuff of Very like cool. what turbo would be in what spoon engines and the laughing about motec yeah if you want to check that out the fast and furious minute document on our patreon page so go check that out the best way that i can describe this minute and i was saying this to you and it's sort of it sounds counterintuitive but it's accurate it's like one of the most important minutes in the movie that has nothing visually going on that's true which is kind of a good way to do it that you know you're not stimulated right. by what's on the screen you're focusing on the dialogue right there and like it's not the most important minute in the movie like there's other more important no. minutes and it's not the movie where there's the least going on, but it feels like the comparison, the juxtaposition between what's being said and what's being shown is kind of greater than it is in most other parts in this movie. It's very guided and directed on how, how they want you to perceive this one. The thing that I was thinking about this minute that I didn't bring up yet, something that I would always dwell on is that Brian never says he's not a cop to die. Right. I made a note of that, and I was wondering, is that urban legend true? Like, if you're a, if you're a cop, you have to tell me. Like, is that true, or is that not true? I don't think that's true. I think I've heard that it's that's not, not true. It, it's not true, because we've seen it on, like, all these cop shows that we watch. Like, you know, when cops are undercover, they're like, are you a cop? You have to tell me. And they're like, I'm not a cop. And then they arrest the person, like, like if they're undercover, no. They don't have to tell you that they're a cop. But I think that, that that's kind of what they're playing on here. Like he kind of he kind of shakes his head, but it's in a way that like I can't believe you're asking me that question. Like it's a it's a non-answer. And also, sort of if you're answering. not a cop, you'd be like, "Fuck no!" Right. This is another one of these things like don't answer a question with a question type situation. Yes. Like if you're not a cop, you're just gonna be like, uh, "No, I'm not a cop." Like right, exactly. I'm absolutely not a cop. You look like look at me. I'm not a cop. It makes me wonder though. Like you know, they say there, so they catch Brian in Hector's, and they're like, "What are you doing in there?" And he's like, "You know, Hector's running spoon engines." Blah blah blah. Yes. And so you say, "Are you a cop?" And he says, "No." The upside of this, like, okay, fine, Brian's not a cop, but he's a rat, and he's a narc, and he's a sneak. <laughs> like, do you want that kind of person in your crew? Like, you get the insider advantage, right? Like, you know, yeah. theoretically, what your competitors are racing with. He already proves he's not trustworthy. Yeah, and like, if people find out, they're gonna, you know, Dom's reputation is gonna take a hit, right? It's like, yeah. even if Brian, because Brian's doing the thing for the cops, like, he's trying to figure out if this is actually, like, if Hector's the one who's jacking the trucks or whatever, but he's saying to Dom, no, I'm just checking because I can't lose another race, and it's like, 
like, okay, but like you're a rat. Like what are you like what are you doing? Yeah, you're like, being I don't, sneaky anyways. Like it's not a good like there's no upside here for Brian. It's just You got you still got busted. That's why he's the buster. That's why he's the buster. I was also wondering, like, most of this minute and I think I don't know if it's like intentional. I don't know if like they captured it while talking. I don't know if it's like this weird kind of layered in sound effect. But for most of the minute, there's like a train whistle or some kind of whistle blaring in the background. And I wonder if there's any significance there at all. I wonder if it's signifying that like, you know, Brian, like they're on the run, like, you know, train whistle like on the go. It's a flash forward to Fast Five. It's, it, was, it was a huge foreshadowing that five films later in the franchise after they divert and then reboot it that there would be a train heist. But there's also, you know, at the end of this movie, they jump the train tracks, right? Oh, like, there's a train true. in this movie, too, so... very Maybe it's a little foreshadowing to the end of this movie. I don't know. But that's a good point, yeah. Just trying to draw meaning from these lines that don't otherwise really have much going on because it's, you know, we're about to see Brian and Dom go off and, like, we're going to get some more heart to heart. Like, you know, like, we're, we're getting to things where there's more stuff visually going on, but right now it's just, you know, Brian basically continuing to beg for his life while mm-hmm. he has a shotgun pointed at him. True. Any other thoughts about this before we get to the trivia question? That's, I think I covered all the things I, was t- I wanted to talk about. I think there's two different ways that we could take this trivia question. The one that I have written down, what is Brian's excuse for why he was in Hector's Automotive, which is, I can't lose again. Or we could ask a trivia question about the kind of cars that Hector has. But to your point in previous minutes, it's kind of like obvious trivia sort of in that like people know about it you know what i mean so yeah do you like one of those paths of questioning or is there something else that you want to talk about that we have not talked about yet i like the path of like what is brian's excuse for why he was in hectares so if the answer is he can't lose another race what are the wrong answers because this is what's tricky. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what else you would say. That's, like, wrong, but also not right. Like, you could say, like, uh, Hector stole from him, maybe? No, this is all too obvious. I need to find another thing. What element of Hector's car does Brian... Like, so, And again, like, it's a very hyper-specific worded thing. How about this one? Does Brian ever deny that he's a cop? Just yes or no? No, he never denies it, but I also feel like that's kind of too easy, but I don't know. Like, this is a def- this is a difficult minute to come up with a question for. Getting into the mood of Easter and into the mood of Judas betraying him, like, how many times does Vince accuse Brian of being a cop? Oh, He's a cop. He's a cop! And he moans like a cop. He moans like a cop. So three? So that's the question. Like, do we want to say in this minute or in this scene? In this... It would have to be in this scene for one. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm torn here. That's difficult. That's tricky. There's no new clothing. There's no music. There's no signs. There's no, like, we don't even see the ground. Like, all that stuff that you were noticing in the past, like, the last minute. I mean, we could say, like, what company makes the system exhaust in in Hector's car? Motec. I was going to say, how many times in the scene after Brian is caught at Hector's, is it referenced that Brian is a cop? Three? So it's three. It's four. He says he moans like a cop. Vin says he's a cop twice. And Dom says, are you a cop? How many times is the word cop spoken? But I feel like that like that wording makes it sound like like a bullshit question. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a bullshit question. It's impossible to answer. We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to do like what is not in Hector's cars. That's okay. that's the only obvious one, right? I didn't want to do that. I was trying to come up with a better one, but I can't. Or which component is not... Which components are not part of Hector's... It's not... Are not because we don't know. It's like, what, is, what does Brian not say? What does Brian not claim Hector bought at Harry's? Because he says he bought them all at Harry's, right? Yeah. He had the spoon engines. He's going to be running them. And on top of that, he just came into Harry's. No, he said he came into Hector's and he ordered three T66 turbos with Nas and a Motec. Well... Oh, that's a good one. That gets really... It's spoon engines, T66 turbos, 
and Motec system exhaust. And a Motec system exhaust, but he says he only bought those three at Harry's. He didn't buy the spoon okay. engines at Harry's. Ooh, that's spoon a engines. good question. Wow, that okay. I think we got good. That was a good one because he says all of these things, but what did he not buy from Harry's? Maybe we need to like underline Harry's too to be like, yeah, good. Okay, whew, we got there finally. We took right. the long way, but we got there. In the end, it doesn't really matter. Just like that Lincoln Park song, right? So in the end, and that was minute fifty. We're now like kind of sort of halfway through the movie. I mean, like in four more minutes, I think we'll be halfway through. But like the last six or seven of this is credits. Like we're halfway through. I think the minutes we're going to cover. We're halfway home. I was watching an episode of The Office where it's um where they go to do bar trivia and Oscar. You know, have you seen The Office or no? Uh, very little of it. So the, yeah, they're going to do bar trivia, and I was just thinking about how excited I am to like get through the minutes to have like the first Fast and the Furious night and us to host a bar trivia and do this. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Like have like a hundred of these questions and be like, okay, like we're just laying it out there, and you just take the quiz as a bar trivia game. Quarantine is lifted, and here is wildly difficult Fast and Furious trivia. Yeah, like not for not for busters for sure. No busters allowed. <laughs> exactly. Let's take a break and then come back to get stuck in the mud in Alabama and talk about my cousin Vinny. Episode number 83, My Cousin Vinny. This episode is brought to you by Buick. Dynamic design, crafted with emotion. Remarkably quiet cabin to purposeful features that bridge beauty and function. Every detail is designed around you. I wonder if anyone listening to this podcast has ever bought a product from one of our sponsors because of our advertisement. Based on the checks that we're getting, I hope. Buick.com slash 2F2F offer code 2F2F to get 10% <laughs> off your next Buick. I saw this cool thing on the Buick website that they're doing, like, you were talking about, you know, you did, I was listening to, like, the one episode we just did, and mm -hmm. you were talking about how you picked up the food from your parents, and they just, like, put it in the trunk. Yeah. Like, Buick has, like, an Amazon offer now where, like, how somehow Amazon can get into the trunk of your Buick. Oh, yeah, they have, like, it's like Amazon Key, where they basically... Yeah. You can let Amazon put stuff in your trunk, you can let people, Amazon put stuff in your house, in your refrigerator, like, there's all these different, like, levels of access that you can give... And, like, they take pictures to show, like, look, I put this in there. We're all good. That's really cool. They were advertising. It's, weird. it's cool, but it's weird. It's, like, a very trusting of a big corporation. Like, it's almost like you're trusting the low-income employee. They wouldn't have a job if they're a thief. But at the same time, you're also trusting Amazon to, like, then know everything about your house, kind of? You know what I mean? I mean... As though they don't already. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but at the same time, like, yeah, it's it's weird strangers in your house type thing. I guess when you call an electrician, he's a stranger in your house too, right? So, right. Like, what's the difference? I don't know. Anyway, My Cousin Vinny, uh, a movie that came out before we had to worry about any of this, back in a simpler time in 1992. Again, we, we did this movie because you and I both love it. As we've expand and done more episodes this lap and there's not always movies about cars but also this movie is explicitly about cars like the, there's a car it is like the reason that they get off like the reason they're kind force. of the reason they're charged with the crime and the reason they eventually get off is because it all centers around a car it does uh buick skylark right mm-hmm 64 buick skylock i love this movie and i actually 
watched it again recently, like within. Do you the want to explain month. to people what it's about if they have not seen it? Uh, yeah, let's do a quick plot summary. There is two young gentlemen from New York. Two youths, presumably Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. We know Vinny's from Brooklyn, yep. and they're doing a cross-country road trip, and they're in Alabama, right? Yep. They go into a convenience store to purchase some gas and snacks and stuff. Snacks, yeah. Stuff like this. As they're leaving, we notice that the one kid had put a can of tuna in his pocket, and he's like, oh, shit, I forgot to pay for this. And, you know, they they make some jokes about, like, oh, we're going to get, like, you know, the death penalty for that. They don't play around down here. And a cop comes up to pull them over, and they're like, you know, did you do it? And he's like, yeah, I did it. I know. And they're like, okay, like, come with us down to the station. They realize that somebody had shot the clerk of the store. Basically, the next people who went in there shot and robbed the store, shot the clerk, killed the clerk. Because we follow them the whole time, so we know that they didn't shoot and kill the clerk. They paid and they just left. But somebody else did, and they're getting blamed for it. And then it turns out that they have, like, all this evidence against them because everybody saw them in their, you know, mint metallic green car there was two guys that looked just like them yep the one character calls his mother and says like we need a lawyer and it's gonna be really expensive and she's like no you got a lawyer in the family it's your cousin Vinny. he'll come down and help out and it turns out that it's joe pesci yep and um marissa tomei is his fiance and also by the way he's never had a case before they talk to him and he's not the best lawyer he's never done a case before and that's the film and it's mostly set in the courtroom but revolves around a car the last like 50 minutes like 45 50 minutes is all in the courtroom as Vinny defends them he he learns on the job essentially and yeah. it all comes down to, like, the fact that, uh, you know, Marissa Tomei grew up basically like her father's a mechanic. A whole, basically, every guy in her family is a mechanic. You know, she, she worked in a mechanic in shop. Or she worked in a body shop. He worked in a body shop. Like, there's apparently an he alternate worked in ending. He worked in her garage yes. with her He worked dad. in her father's garage. Yes. Yeah. I was reading a thing, and I don't know if this was like an alternate ending or whatever, but, like, apparently, legally speaking, if she had absolutely refused to take the stand at the end, which she wants to refuse, but she's not able to, he could have apparently called himself as an expert witness and basically questioned himself and still had the same effect. Like that's apparently legally allowed uh, uh. because he is also established. He could establish himself as an expert witness. But, you know, as she as he talks about, she is an uh, an expert in the field of general automotive knowledge because she's grown up around cars. And she but knows he really believes her, too. Like and he thinks that she is better at knowing cars than he is. And Which she is throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah. Like he refers to like when he's talking to her about car stuff, he's like asking her questions and stuff like that. Like he knows that she's mechanically sound even more so than he is in his abilities. And he's comfortable with this, which is yeah. really cool. But yeah, so this is a very, very good movie, very funny movie. There's so many lines. Like, I feel like Love this it. is the kind of movie that because I kind of grew up with it, like I didn't watch a lot. It's one of those movies, like we were talking about the Hollywood Nights that you were like, this is the kind of movie that, you know, your dad would just sit you down and be like, let's watch this. I'm not going to look at you when the boobs come on screen, like that we're just sharing in this moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this is the kind of movie that I feel like my mom didn't want us to watch because of the language they say but it's like lot, my, yeah. my dad my dad is like it's so funny like we just come in like watch a scene here or there so like i kind of in a, in a way grew up with this movie i don't know if i'd seen it from start to finish until like fairly recently i kind of in a way grew up with this movie a lot of the lines in here are very very quotable you know the imagine you're a deer line the biological clock like yes. basically everything marissa tomei says is, is very quotable gold. she's amazing i also noticed for the first time this time that she's wearing at one point a necklace of the mona lisa which i think is oh. very funny because her name is mona lisa vito that is cool i didn't notice a that. fast connection is the mona lisa in tokyo drift uh, what mm-hmm. they call han's car the mona lisa mm-hmm. while in tokyo drift another fast connection i noticed is that this kind of sort of 
a reverse Tokyo Drift, where Ooh. Tokyo Drift was like a southern boy in a big city. This is kind of a big city boy in the deep south. So That's instead true. of taking the reverse Sean, that Joe Pesci is a reverse Sean. One of my favorite interactions. I mean, all of it, all of it's great. Like I just love this movie. But you know, early on in the movie, when they get out, when they first come into town, and the car is like acting weird, they're taking a look at it. Joe Pesci says to her, like, you know, look at you, like you're standing out, whatever. She's like, oh yeah, you blend. Like they just like they don't <laughs> fit at all. What? Nothing. You stick out like a sore thumb around here. <laughs> Me? What about you? I fit in better than you. At least I'm wearing cowboy boots. Oh, yeah, you blend. Like, no. they look out of place, they act out of place. They sound out of place, for sure. But by the end, they're kind of like, I guess because they're good people, like, he kind of gets in with the judge a little bit. He gets in with, I mean, through also through manipulation. With the DA, the he kind of becomes friendly with. Yeah. You know, people around town. You know, it's it's just a, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful story. I really love this movie. Uh, the first time I watched it also was with my father. It was one of these, the same exact thing that you said, that, like, he was like, you have to watch this movie. It's hilarious. Um, I watched it with him, and my parents didn't really care about, like, language or stuff like that, so, like, it was fine. Mm -hmm. I remember loving it then, and then, I don't know what we were doing recently, but, like, Rachel and I were talking about it, and I was like, I haven't seen that movie in a very long time, and, like, I want to rewatch it. We rewatched it, like, within a month ago, and I was like, this is great, and I think I brought it up to you when I, like, rewatched it. You mentioned it, it, and then what happened was, like, a week or two later, coincidentally, when we were doing our March Madness of, you know, the, the most annoying things in the world, yeah. my friend who was doing the write-ups and everything, and he was uh, just putting together the bracket, like, I would put basically, like, lay out the info of the bracket, and he would write the things and put in links yeah. and videos and stuff like that, and he put in the biological clock scene, and I was like, shit, yes. I really want to do this, and this was after, like, this, I think, was, like, basically at the start of quarantine, you know, we had sort of been talking about, like, well, we could, like, why not talk about it? Because we've been talking about yeah. it for a while. And then we're just like, yeah, well, we might as well do it. And so we're doing it. Yeah. And so, like, I rewatched it again this morning, but I, I've just seen it fresh. And I still laugh at so many parts of this movie. When the friend is in jail and he thinks that Joe Pesci's coming in to, like, rape him and there's yeah. all the sexual innuendo jokes. You should be thanking me. You should be on your knees thanking me. And he's like, I'm not doing this. He's like, it's your ass, not mine. And he's like, I know it's my ass. And like, that's mm -hmm. just such a well-written yeah. part. Uh, like it, the dialogue is so funny, like with all the innuendos and like, you know, this could get like really bad and stuff, but they just like really nail it. It's so yep. well-written right there. So I was just like, this is great. But yeah, there's like a whole bunch of funny parts like this that I really just enjoy. And you're right. Anytime that Marissa Tomei talks, I just like laugh hysterically. I also get like a little moved when she like when she wraps it up. It's like a little touching to me. What I never really put two and two together is like at the end, like you know, because in my head the line is the defense is wrong, and the way she says it, I'm just like, and like he's happy about. It. I'm like, why? Like in my because I don't remember the lines leading up to that. I'm like, why is he happy? that she's saying he's wrong, but he's happy because he's like, I've been arguing these two cars are identical, but like, and I'm not. wrong. I know that I'm wrong, but I want you to prove that I'm wrong by yes. saying that like, they're not identical because the car that they're driving can't actually do this because of the independent rear suspension, whatever. Right. Yes. Or because it doesn't have the independent rear suspension in my head, like the, the, the breakthrough line when she realizes what he's getting at the defense is wrong and like he's thrilled because like the you know the defendants like ralph macchio and the other guy like they're like yeah, they they're look like just shocked. so defeated they're like oh like vin what are you doing like how are you like why did you call your fiance up there to say that you've been wrong this whole time like you're supposed yes. to be helping us but in reality he is because he's like yeah i've been making this one argument which i thought was right but actually 
I know the facts now, and I know yep. that I'm actually wrong, but yep. wrong in a good way. And it's awesome. It's just like such a heartwarming moment for me because also she's trying to help him the whole time. Yep. You know, and he's like trying to like do this alone and like, and he's like getting beat down <laughs> on like being really shitty at being a lawyer. And she does come to save the day, which I think is really cool. If you have not seen this movie yet, it is available on Stars Play. So if you are the other person in the world that pays for stars like me. You can watch this on Stars Play. Also, if you haven't done the trial yet, I think you can do like a trial on Amazon, like a seven-day stars trial uh, probably. Okay. So you can watch yeah. that there. But yeah, definitely worth watching this movie. The one thing that I noticed this time, like the biggest fast connection that I never thought about because I never watched this movie within the scope of the podcast Tell is me. that the center plot device, like yes. what kicks all this off, is essentially a heist involving tuna oh shit nobody likes the tuna brian's not stealing tuna but tuna is so core to the first movie's dna Mm. heist core to the franchise and i'm just like damn like you know because i'm like writing things down i'm like wait a minute the entire conceit of this movie is that they think that they stole tuna and that's why they're wanted and so like it's yeah. all of it's like it's like you fed in the Fast and Furious scripts into an AI robot and like okay make a movie they're like yes. okay cool cars heist tuna <laughs> yeah ad, and add lawyers and then you're yeah like, it's like okay. like you got the parts right but they're all jumbled up and yeah. I just like think about it's like oh my god like this is so many of the things like so many of the buzzwords all in a single like in the first three minutes yeah yeah it really is i didn't even think about that till you just brought it up that's really crazy i have a question for you and i have some fast connections but my my main question to you is and i pitched this to rachel and i'll tell you her answer after yeah is brian a worse cop oh i I wrote this down Vinny is a lawyer (laughs) i wrote it down i had the same you have the same thing yeah wow so what's your answer? Do you literally have the same question? Just I to believe prove, you. just to prove to you. Yeah, I wrote down first off the judge graduated from Yale because I was like, oh, That's there's cool. the Joan action right there. And yeah. then after that, when they're at the barbecue, which is a barbecue, there's a barbecue connection because they go they go to a barbecue place, not like a cookout, but a barbecue place. Yes. And they're talking about carburetors. She, he's like explaining to her something. Go ahead about I have this law too. about law in terms of carburetors. Like you know when you do that. It's a danger. It's like damaging the manifold. And I was like, danger to manifold? Like, what? You drop, you drop the carb through the, yeah. The way that he's able to explain to her whatever's going on is by basically saying danger to manifold. But in the middle there, is Vinny a better lawyer mine to you. than Brian is a cop? Uh, yeah, I have is Brian a worse cop than Vinny is a lawyer? But yes, the same question. You skimped over the way you skimped over the manifold, like the carburetor thing, which I think is really cool, especially you just brought it up now because we were just going through the scene of Leon tinkering with the carburetor on his stomach. And the whole thing that he's describing there is that you have to take the carburetor off the car to work on it. Otherwise, you can fuck up the engine by dropping the jet into the, you know, into the manifold, into the into the engine, you know, so this. So I think that's really cool that, like, you pick this up now and how important it is and how now we see that Leon was yeah. working on the carburetor on his chest. So And also your note below that. I want to want to come back to the debate because I feel like there's, you know, there's a lot of yes. fast connections, but I feel like that's like the big, the big that's sort the of big debate one. to yeah. have. But okay. the note that you have underneath that is closed <laughs> for the flu, which I was like, oh, very timely. That, like, <laughs> I know. How can a whole store be closed for the flu? Well, like, you know. 
entire cities are closed for coronavirus. You know what I mean? So, Like, a great part of the movie is that Vinny doesn't know how to act in court. The first time he comes in, he's wearing a leather jacket. And the judge is like, you better wear a suit to court. If you come in here in a leather jacket again, you'll be in contempt. And, like, he's constantly being in contempt of being thrown in jail because the judge, like, you know, is, like, you know, putting him through the ringer a little bit. So he finally, like, he gets a suit. And that's running parallel to two other things that all coalesce into one thing that, like, they're short on money because he has to keep getting bailed out of prison. Yeah. And so they're running out of money there. Also, every night that they go to a new hotel, they're woken up at three or four or five o'clock in the morning because there's either, like, a loud steam whistle that wakes up the town. Yes. Or there's a loud train that goes through town. Yep. Or there's... Pigs, pigs across the street that are getting slaughtered for food. And, yeah. like, no matter where they go, no matter where they wind up, they're always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he's not sleeping because he's up studying and right. he gets woken up at 5 a.m. anyways. So. And so finally, at the end, when he's in contempt for, like, the third or fourth time, she's like, you know, I'll bail you out. He's like, no, maybe I'll get a good night's sleep. And then because he comes from the big city, like, there's basically, like, a prison riot and, like, everybody's up yelling and screaming in the middle of the night. And he's just smiling, sleeping like a baby because, like, it feels like home. Which, like, it all just yes. blends together in such a beautiful way. Oh, it's so good, yeah. But, yes, so he keeps getting in contempt of court. He's, like, talking out of turn. He's, like, cursing. He's wearing the wrong stuff. But, yeah, then eventually, after Mona Lisa does a nice thing and gets his suit cleaned and then it gets they dirty. They sleep outside. They have to sleep outside in the car because, like, yep. then there's, like, howlers or something outside the door. There's a screeching owl, yeah. A screeching owl outside of the cabin because he's going to stay at the the prosecutor's cabin. Even that's still loud and waking him up in the morning. So they go sleep in the car. And then, like, you know, he gets mud everywhere. They're stuck in the mud. He drops the suit. It's dirty. So he's like, I only have, like, a, a short amount of time. I got 30 minutes to fucking shower, fucking get a new suit. And she's like, you go fucking shower. I'll go fucking get you a new Like, it's just, like, the very, yes. like aggressive, hyper-specific language, which just, like, works per- perfectly. But anyway, yeah, keep going. So she goes and is going to, like, you know, they're in a small town in Alabama, so she's, like, going to try to find him a suit, and there's just a sign that says, clothes for flu. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I just watched this, like, right before quarantine, mm-hmm. and it, that didn't, that sign didn't mean anything to me, right? Like, this is not an important part of the movie, and now it's like, holy shit, like, we're all clothes for flu. It was yeah. really weird. And then he comes back in, and he explains, because he comes in, and he's wearing, like, a, a like, a, a tux with tails, but, like, from the 70s. It's, like, red and pink and frilly. It kind of seems like a, like, a bellhop at, like, a... A hotel kind of suit. Imagine, like, if a bellhop's outfit and, like, a 70s prom suit had a baby. It's, like, very Grand Budapest. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, something along these lines. And so he comes in, and he's like, like, you know, what, are you making a mockery of my courtroom? And he's like, no, like, I had a suit. You saw the suit. It just got mud all over it. And, and I like, could either the whole... wear the leather jacket, which I know you hate, or this. <laughs> this yeah. ridiculous suit. Yeah. And then he goes, you're in contempt of court. He's like, that's a fucking surprise. And he's you like, say? what did you <laughs> It's just, like, such a good line. Like, when you're just, like, so beaten down, you're like, what the fuck? Like, like, I know. We're going through the motions here. Like, you're going to put me in contempt of court anyways. The whole store got the flu thing is like, wow. Every time I watch a movie, this is how I know that, like, things are weird and that, like, my brain is broken. Like, when I watch a movie and people are just, like, hanging out together, I'm like, that looks like so much fun. Like, they're not doing anything. They're just, like, in the same room as other people. And I'm like, shit. Like, a diner sounds great right now. I know. With a $1.99 breakfast or a two forty nine lunch. God, or a when he opens the menu, dinner. when he opens the menu, that's one of my dad's favorite parts of this movie. When he opens the menu and it's like, breakfast, the menu just says, breakfast. Lunch, what, what are you thinking? Or I, think, I think we'll have a breakfast. Yeah, breakfast. like when he says that, my dad loses it. When he, like, looks at her and he's like, what are you thinking? Breakfast? Yeah? Okay, breakfast. And shuts the menu. <laughs> 
great. It's a great part, yeah. When I just see, like, diners or I see people together, or, like, this just feels like relic of a bygone, like, of a simpler time. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, these weird yeah. little things. You know, I don't want every show to be about coronavirus, but I, like, I'm, it just feels so out of place. And, like, yeah, there's no way like that we're hanging out on Easter because we're yeah. not. But, yeah, okay. So, going back to our, the, the question and sort of our, all of our sidetracks, is Brian a better cop than Vinny is a lawyer, or is Brian a worse cop than Vinny is a lawyer? And it's great. It's a great comparison because as much as Vinny's getting in trouble, he accomplishes the goal at the end, right? Yes. Yes. He gets them off. That's the end of the movie. He uses, you know, Marissa Tomei's knowledge and proves that it can't be them. In the same sense that Brian successfully catches Vin Diesel at the end of Fast and the Furious 1. Right. right. He catches him. And, and then he lets ne- him get away. And, and neither instance is somebody really convicted of a crime because Dom is just let go free. <laughs> And this yes. way he gets them off. Vinny, well, so here's the thing. I think they're, they're starting in like different, like they're kind of like a crisscrossing pattern. This like is exactly Vinny, what Rachel answered. Yep. Vinny starts at like a bad, not because he's a bad, but like because they talk about, she's like, how do you not know this stuff? And he's like, well, because between working at your dad's garage and between this and yeah. between that and you out at night and whatever, like I haven't had time to go watch cases in court. And the fact that he's able to apply things, the fact that he's reading books and he's able yes. to interview people and whatever. And like the story of why he is a lawyer, like talking his way out of a ticket or whatever and like like that all feels like he belongs as a lawyer it's just that he hasn't had the experience he hasn't had the time so i feel like he starts as a very bad lawyer but then by the end he's not necessarily like a good lawyer but he's good enough and he's on the path to victory will be successful eventually Yes. Even if Marissa Tomei helps him in a few different ways, the sheriff has to help him in a few different ways, whatever, right? Yeah. I think Brian starts as, like, a decent cop, so he starts better off, and then never gets better, just does things that go against his code of ethics, or, you know, the perceived police code of ethics. I agree. That's exactly what Rachel said, too. She said they crisscross. Like, at the beginning, Brian is a better cop than Vinny is a lawyer, but at the end, Vinny's a better lawyer than Brian will ever be a cop. Imagining it on a graph, Vinny is kind of, maybe like, you know, an accelerated growth, or even just like a straight, like a a slope of one, right? Like, just like going straight up to the right. And Brian is just like a straight line, a slope of zero. You just like... (laughs) It just, at some point, like maybe two-thirds of the way through this movie, they're as good as as each other at their professions. But then yes. from then on, Vinny, like, as he gains confidence and experience and understanding of the law, he's better than Brian is just because, you know, Brian doesn't get better. He doesn't progress. He just does dumb <laughs> no, things. No, not just not, he doesn't get better at cop, at being a cop. He gets better at cop things, but as we've talked about, and right. as Wes wrote in his email, those two things aren't the same thing. Yes. Right? Like, you can have all the skills, but that doesn't mean that you're good at the grand picture of what you're trying to do. Another fast action here that I noticed, and it's it's a little bit of a stretch, and I think this is not necessarily entirely uncommon in anything. Vinny has more than one name here, just like Brian Earl Spilner and Brian O'Connor. Yes. There yes. is Joey Gallo. There's Joey Callow. Callow. Nick Burris. Nick Barris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then I was also thinking about, and this is there's two connections here, but there's Jimmy McGill and Saul Goodman for Better Call Saul and Breaking Jimmy Bad. Too. But when they go to that bar, so like off screen, yes. we see Marissa Tomei has beaten this like local hillbilly or whatever in a game of pool for two hundred dollars, and the guy yes. won't pay up. And so the two of them, Vinny and Mona Lisa, go to this bar, and she points out the guy, and Vinny's like, "You're gonna pay my girlfriend, right, or my fiance?" And he's just like, "Not about to kick your ass." And then there's like this whole back and forth, and he's like a counter off. As they're happening, as they're having this conversation, he looks and he sees a guy, and this is like the exact slipping Jimmy, the Saul Goodman, the ambulance chaser. He's a guy in a neck brace. He's like, 
rear-ended? Rended. He says, no, I fell. He, you know, goes back to the conversation. Then he's like, did you fall on your on your property or somewhere else? He's like, my house. He's like, come on, like, you're not giving me anything to work with. But I was just <laughs> thinking that, like, client. Yeah, like Saul, like Jimmy, he's got two names or more than one name. He's also yes. looking for, like, this quick buck, like, oh, I can get you, you know, I can get you a settlement, whatever. But the guy is just not playing ball. And then, you know, Brian Earl Spillner, Brian, like, he's not necessarily, I mean, he is to a sense, in a sense, undercover, right? He's just like, he's not the lawyer that he says he is. He's yeah. lying to the judge because he's, he's been in them. 16 yeah. years of practicing law and all this blah, 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 whatever. I agree, so, 100%. Yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. I was wondering when I was watching it, how much do you think that when they started writing Better Call Saul, they were like, oh, man, like, let's make him, like, slipping jimmy and it's like very my cousin Vinny. very possible i mean i know that when they started writing better call saul they thought that they were going to get to saul goodman very quickly because they're like how much backstory could there possibly be and then as they started to write kim they're like oh there's actually more here than we thought but i think they early on wanted to make it just kind of that like that type of lawyer quick talking going for a quick buck whatever kind of lawyer and then but i'm saying like direct influence on the writers right like they had to watch like my cousin Vinny and be like oh well he's gonna be a lot like this because because saul is a lot like this yeah like he's just like the natural progression of like okay if you know if if he breaks bad then you know he would get get to here but like for now this is where we're at and this movie is often uh, included on lists of like the best courtroom movies best lawyer movies a lot of this is very specific and very correct like they wanted to make sure that it all basically everything that he uses to point out why the witnesses are fallible like why they're wrong like you know her glasses aren't strong enough the guy Mm -hmm. doesn't have you know there's too many bushes in the way his timing is wrong whatever all those different things are enough to prove that like that they're, they're yeah it's, it's, he's instilling a reasonable doubt in all of these people. And so, like, he does enough actual lawyering that if this was a real court case, it would have been thrown out. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is why it works so well, because not only is it really funny, not only is it, like, are the performances great, but, like, it feels genuine. DA is almost so confident that he's, like, you know, I wish I had the murder weapon, but, like, other than that, like, I feel really confident about this, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. he's going a little bit easy because, like, it's, like, the slick ticket, slick talking, out-of-towner who, like, clearly is in over his head. Yeah. Everything else is a slam dunk. He's probably not taking it as seriously as he should be. It's easier to poke holes in things, but, like, it, it's, it feels rewarding because it feels genuine. Yeah. I agree. One thing I never noticed about this movie before was that the prosecutor's expert witness is James Rebhorn, who's been in a bunch of stuff, but I most know him from, and I'm sure you know him from, he is like one of the head special agents in Independence Day. Mm -hmm. I never made that connection before. I mean, they're both, you know, big 90s movies or whatever, but like, I was like, oh shit, like there he is. I remember him from like a lot of different things. He just looks very familiar, but he was like, he was on a nice run there in the 90s where he was in like a bunch of great movies. Another line that I really like is, it's called Disclosure, you dickhead. What she says to him. <laughs> yeah. I just love Marissa Tomei in this. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to gush the whole time about Marissa Tomei, but I just, like, really enjoy her character yeah. in this. It's just, it's awesome. She's, I'm glad she won an Oscar for it, too. That was, like, the first that I remembered that, so. I was looking at, like, the other movies that were what up did she for run against? that year. It's, it's yeah. stuff that I don't know. So she beat Joan Plowright in Enchanted April, a movie or a movie that I have heard oh, of but don't know. Judy Davis okay. in Husbands and Wives, a movie I don't know. Miranda no. Richardson in Damage, I don't know. And Vanessa Redgrave in Howard's End, which I don't know. Like, it was a no. weird year. Best picture that year was Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood movie, A Few Good Men, the Cruise 
Tom Cruise movie is there. Howard's End, Scent of a Woman. So Scent there's of a Woman. In there. That's what's weird about going back in time in Oscars is like these might have been huge movies. I just have no concept of like who these actors are or like yeah, what the movie is. It. Yeah, you were just too young for it. I yeah. get it. Are there any other? I don't know if I have any other fast connections. Do you have any other fast connections between this and the Fastiverse? No, I was just liking all of the like the car trivia. The mud and the tires thing was really funny to me. That was the only other one I had. I had that one, the car and clothes for flu and then the whole like you know final car proving scene where she talks about pause traction and and an independent rear suspension and stuff like that and i love when she's going through that whole thing at the end and like explaining why it's not and why it's not and why it's not like Vinny basically looks like he just hit a walk-off home run and he's like strutting his way around the bases like yes. he's like walking in front of the jury he's and in front of the da peacocking and just like for sure yeah. yeah. Same. It's just, this is just a great, this is a warming movie. I would imagine like a lot of people that are listening have seen this movie before. If you haven't, you should definitely go watch it because it's a classic. So yeah. Some little trivia about this. So the Utes line, which is something that instead of saying youths, which he does yes. say eventually, Joe Pesci says Utes, which the judge is like, I don't know what, what word are you saying? It's a ute. Yeah. Apparently. So the director, Jonathan Lynn, who is British, heard Joe Pesci say that word and he was like I don't what are you saying and so that actually came from real life the director yeah that's cool and speaking of the director he proposed Fred Gwynn who is the judge who you might people might know more as uh, Herman Munster like the, the dad in the Munsters yes yes that's right yes so he saw him in the movie The Cotton Club which is a movie that I had never heard of until we did Cage Club and it was one of Nicolas Cage's very early very first movies directed by his uncle Francis Ford Coppola so I don't remember Fred Gwynn in that because I've only seen that movie once and it was probably now five years ago but I was like oh The Cotton Club okay yeah you know that movie now cool I do yeah little Cage connection so there was apparently talk of a sequel where he'd be practicing oh, in God. Britain, which I guess another kind of fish-out-of-water type situation. Yeah. But Marissa Chame dropped out, and then they tried to get another screenwriter in, and like nothing really went anywhere. But Good. then a couple years ago, uh, a writer, Lawrence Kelter, began a sequel novel. I don't know if the novel was ever published, called Back to Brooklyn, which is going to be like, instead of a movie, it was going to be like, you know, just books, whatever. So yeah. I wouldn't watch more of these, but I feel like it's one of those where it's like, it's so perfect as it, it is. Yeah. My Cousin Vinny doesn't need to be a franchise, right. ever. The only other trivia that I have in terms of people who almost played the main roles, so at mm-hmm. one point in an earlier version, the comedian Andrew Dice Clay was considered to be the Joe Pesci role. I don't know at what point, but then I guess as they got closer, they considered Jim Belushi, Danny DeVito, and John Lovitz for the role of Vincent Gambini. I think John Lovitz might have been okay. Yeah, I think like Danny DeVito might have been, I don't know, it's just, it's so hard to like in retrospect to see anybody else in this role. You know what I mean? Like in that role or the Mona Lisa role, there's only one name here. It was Lorraine Bracco, aka Dr. Melfi from The Sopranos. Oh, damn. I can see it. It, it wouldn't have been the same movie at all. Like if you remove Marissa Tomei from this, this movie kind of falls apart. Right. She, I think she's the cornerstone of it. I think it would have been a different movie, but yeah, Dr. Melfi being in it would have been interesting. She, she could so. play it. She plays, you know, a very similar character in The Sopranos. Kind of like a guiding light, sort of? A New Yorker who can play kind of like this. I, when she was younger, she was like, you know, a little bit, bit of a, a heartthrobby kind of yeah. girl. So I can see it. I just I just don't think it would have been as perfect as Marissa Tomei. Like, right. I don't think he could be anybody else. 
I agree. That's everything I got. Do you have any other thoughts, any other notes about My Cousin Vinny? I mean, there's other lines, but I mean, at what point do we just keep stop saying line? You know, it's just like it's everything yeah. is just so well written and just I don't even know if it's well written, but it's just well delivered. Yeah, it's it's just tucked nicely. I, I kind of miss watching these 90, 90s movies sometimes for like how well packaged they are. You yeah. know, we always talk about how long the Fast and the Furious have gotten. And I think it's like one of these like, you know, can it fit on a videotape type situations and stuff like that. Like when you had to cut it down, you kind of keep only the good and you trim a lot of the fat off. There was like a point in the movie where he's talking. He's saying about why he became a lawyer. And like, he's like, yeah, he was so happy when I graduated. He And then like, you can hear that there was another line after that. And they were just like, nope, don't need it. Just package it up real nice and tight. Yeah. And I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. Uh, at the end of last year, the end of last calendar year, I went through like my, my Blu-ray collection. I just sort of made a list of like the movies like this one that I had not seen in a while that I was like, you know, I want to just like, I always want to rewatch more movies, but I always find myself watching like aside from the Fast and Furious movies, which obviously we rewatch yeah. a bunch, but like I just, when I watch a movie, it's generally something that I've, I haven't seen before yes. but I made a list of like all these kind of movies that I know that I really like that I would enjoy watching again that I haven't I either I have I've only seen once or I haven't seen in a while or whatever it just like this serves as such a reminder like watch more of those movies like movies that you know you like you like them for a reason like they're they're great for a reason like just watch more good movies Hey man, you were just giving that PSA strictly to yourself. Oh, I know. Everybody but like else also, on the planet is is doing this. I know. Everybody else you. watches movies the right way. I get. Well, not even. The, I don't know if it's the right it's way. Not but the like, right I, way. It's I just think like, the right way is a balance between the two. It's not watching the same is. five movies over and over again, and it's not I watching three hundred different movies a year. It's like I agree. Or even if you just like just repeat some of these movies like again, you know, like you yeah. loved them for a reason. So if you're feeling nostalgic and good about an old movie, play it again. Exactly. Why not? It's nothing. There's no harm in that. That's no. what. That's what I always. Try Try to convey to you like, in different ways and different things that like you know you have like a nice structure of like what you're gonna watch next but there's there's no harm in being like hey i'm gonna put that one off and watch something that i really enjoyed again yeah well joe next week we've got things that it's no harm in watching again two movies that i've seen before i think one that's new to you but we're it's it's kind of a two for next week there's a before and after sort of it's a little bit of a wheel of fortune kind oh. of one movie homages the other so on tuesday Yes. We've got Vanishing Point. Classic car movie Dodge Challenger. Never seen it. Then, on Friday, a more recent movie that I know you've seen that homages that in a very big way, both in the car that's the central piece and also the final chase. We're talking about Death Proof. Death Proof, yes. So now important to note about Death Proof. For a long time, Grindhouse was like my favorite movie. It still is one of my favorite movies. When Death Proof hit theaters... It was part of Grindhouse, which was like a three-hour, two-movie thing. It was Planet Terror, mm-hmm. and it was Death Proof. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a 90-minute cut of it, and then there's also a two-hour cut of it, which is the extended thing. There's a couple scenes that are longer. I don't know that they necessarily add a lot. Like, I think, I mean, I really like the movie both ways, but I think that if you're looking for the more grindhouse sort of old-school kind of vibe, I think if you want to watch this and you haven't seen it, the 90-minute version is great. I think yes. if you really love Tarantino, you want to get the complete experience, the two-hour version is also great, but just putting out there, in case people see there's two different versions, that's why there's two different iterations of this movie. If I have time, I'm going to watch all of Grindhouse, then I might watch the longer Death Proof. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about those both next week, which I'm very excited about. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm in it. But you said you've never seen Vanishing Point. I've never seen Vanishing Point. And I've seen Death Proof as part of Grindhouse, but sparingly. Like, I saw it, like, once when it came out. I don't remember. So do you think you, have you seen the full two-hour version or no? I'm fairly sure I did. 
Like, I definitely, it was one of these movies that, like, when it first came out, I put on in the background, like, a couple times. Mm -hmm. Like, I I must have watched it, like, two or three times when it first came out, but I haven't touched it since, so. Okay. If you're watching along, actually, let us know, family at cageclub.me, if you're watching these or if you're waiting on the episodes. Like, I know people have written in, like, they're not listening to the episodes until they've seen the movie or whatever, like, they ideally want to do it that way. But if you're watching along... Let us know if you've seen this before, which version you've seen, if you're going to rewatch it, which version you're going to rewatch. Whatever. Next Friday, one week from today, Death Proof. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Like I said, check out our Patreon page. Please leave us a nice review. And just, again, the most important thing, email us, family at cageclub.me. Say hi. Let us know how you're doing in this time of quarantine. Please, yeah. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Peace out. Peace out. You anus. Peace out.